Thanks for listening in today to our Monday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today we will be continuing our study in the book of 2 Samuel. So let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your trials will be over. So the new covenant contains some of the same commandments of the previous covenant, but it doesn't mean that the previous covenant is still in effect. We see this with the uh, uh, Edenic covenant. We see some of the same things that are in the uh, Adamic covenant. Um, we see in the Noahic covenant, I want you to go and be fruitful and multiply, much that we saw in the Edenic covenant, okay? But it doesn't add some of the other things that are in the Edenic covenant because that has been done away with. And so we see this time and time again. The importance of the new covenant is that it amplifies the Abrahamic covenant. It amplifies what God started from the very beginning because we see that completion in and through you. All the nations, all the families of the earth shall be blessed has truly come to pass through the new covenant, the person of Jesus Christ. This new covenant, remember, was not made with the church. It was made with Israel and Judah. And so the Jews only saw being made with them. So you can understand the confusion when they see that we are calling our relationship with the Lord we're part of the new covenant. They're going, wait a second. In Jeremiah, it doesn't mention anything about the Gentiles. It just speaks this new covenant is supposed to be with Israel and the house of Judah. How could that be? How could that be? Well, when you look at Scripture, obviously, it's all in the New Testament. We see what the new, test, the new Covenant is all about. In Luke chapter 22, go there. Okay, you can see this in Matthew, you can see this in Mark, but Luke has a little longer uh, dialogue here. Jesus explains that his blood is the New Covenant. Luke 22, verse 14, when the hour had come, he sat down, 12 apostles with him, and he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Jesus says, his blood, his sacrifice is in the new covenant. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five, quoting the same thing. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as you drink it in remembrance of me. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Hebrews 7.22, so much more Jesus has become surety of a better covenant. Hebrews 9.15, and for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death. For the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Hebrews 12.24, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of better 
things. Hebrews 13, 20, Now may the God of peace who brought us our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So we know without a shadow of a doubt that the new covenant speaks of the person of Jesus Christ, his shedding of his blood. And so long as we receive that sacrifice, what he has done, we are now part of the new covenant. But how come the Jews never saw that? And how come when you go through the the Old Testament, it points to that specifically being for them? Well, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, we're told exactly. Verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if indeed you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. When people say, I don't believe in dispensations, I'm going to do a, um, that's, that's a teaching I'm going to do on dispensations, the different dispensations, uh, the administrations of God revealing himself and things like that. Um, and I hear people, well, I'm not as dispensationalist. Okay, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't believe in the different dispensations. What about the dispensation of grace? No, that's always been the case. Well, here, Paul tells us, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery. There's been a mystery here. There's been a mystery. That that word is musterion. It's a word that means the only way you can crack that that mystery is if God himself reveals it to you. You couldn't have figured it out any other way. It was, it, it was impossible to figure out. God would have to give you the key to unlock that ministry. You couldn't do it on your own. That's what the word musterion means. He says, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So this musterion, this mystery is going to be through Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. What does that mean? It means the whole Old Testament. That's what it means. In other ages. It was not made known to the sons of men. It has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. And what is that? The Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of his promise in Christ through the Gospels. You, you, you should underline partakers. Okay? We partake in what God has shown the Jews. We don't, we are not, we do not take over. Okay? We partake. We come alongside what God is already doing with the Jews. We don't take over what God has done with the Jews. It says, partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, whom less the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Again, he mentions it, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. It's been hidden. God wasn't letting anybody know there. He wasn't letting um, uh, the Jews know that he was going to Make this new covenant with everyone. He wasn't going to let them know that. This is why if you back it up to chapter 2 here of Ephesians, it tells us this. In verse 11, we seem to be 
on this a lot. We read it on Sunday. We read it last week. It seems to be coming up a lot because I think God wants to speak to us here. He says, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Those far off were Gentiles, those who are near were Jews, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is the new covenant, the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself, Jesus is our peace, who has made both one, has broken down the middle wall of separation. You know what that middle wall of separation is? The Mosaic law. That is what separated. And they weren't able to see past that. And they were told this new covenant was going to take place, Israel, Judah. They never once saw the Gentiles participating in this at all. But that is the wall of separation, was the Mosaic law. Okay, the Mosaic Covenant, you can put there. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, there's that new covenant, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, Gentiles, to those who are near, Jews, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And so that is what the church is. This new covenant is being given to them. This new covenant is being given to them. Now, I want you to also go to um, Romans chapter 11. There's always been this, this kind of uh, silly, in a sense, understanding that there were two covenants, one for the Jews, one for the Gentiles, or two parts of it, per se. And yet, in Romans chapter 11, I'll get over there, it says this, I say then, in verse 11, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not, but their fall, um, but through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So then again, we're told that salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their, for if their being cast away is reconciling to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from dead? For if the first fruit is holy... The lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them became, look at that word, a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Remember that that you are a partaker. This olive tree represents the place of spiritual blessing of the Jewish covenants. The type of branches partaking of the blessing, the natural branches, are Jewish believers. The wild olive branches, they're Gentile believers. But notice, we don't replace anything. We don't replace the root. We've been grafted in. We get to partake in what God has been doing with them the whole time. 
And we get to partake in those spiritual blessings. Now, the relationship of the church to this new covenant is the same as the church's relationship is to the Abrahamic covenant, the land covenant, the Davidic covenant. The physical promises of the Abrahamic covenant, um, uh, the, the land, the Davidic covenant, were promised exclusively to Israel. However, this blessed aspect is amplified by the new covenant was to include the Gentiles as well. But the church is enjoying the spiritual blessings. That is why in Ephesians says, you have been given all the spiritual blessings of the heavenly. You're not given the physical blessings that Israel has been given, but you're able to participate in the spiritual blessings. And they're now being shared by the church. We participate in that but not all the land blessings, not all the materialistic blessings that they were promised. That still belongs to Israel. It still belongs to Israel. In Romans 15, if you go over there to Romans 15, there's something very interesting that is spoken of here. As Paul is planning to visit Rome, he says this as he, as he writes to the Romans. He says this in verse 22, for this reason, I have also been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts, having a great desire these many years to come to you. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia, to make certain contributions to the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. So you, you, can, um, you can read about this in 1 Corinthians 16, as well in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Uh, this is a special offering that uh, Paul was gathering from Macedonia and Acadia to give to, to, to the poor saints that were in Jerusalem. But look what it says next. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. That means those who are giving are the debtors of those saints in Jerusalem. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their, what does it say? Spiritual things. Their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Wow. Wow. Because of what God has done through the Jews, which has opened the door for us, to be partakers now of the spiritual things of salvation, of heaven, and you know everlasting eternity and things like that is one of the reasons why we minister to the Jews physically, materialistically. It's one of the reasons why I like going to Israel. I know that blesses them. You know, This is why I like to take people to Israel. I know it blesses them. This is one of the reasons why I pray for Israel. It blesses them. It's one of the reasons why we support ministries in Israel, because it blesses them, physically blesses them. And because it is the love of Christ that compels me, because what has been done for me, that's why I do for Christ, I'm also told here, because what has God done through the Jews that I'm now a partaker is one of the reasons why I also minister to the Jews. That's why anybody that's anti-Semitic or, or, or just 
hates the Jews and wants to claim that they're a believer in Jesus Christ, he said, you make no sense according to the word of God. You should be so grateful to them because you get to partake in what was promised to them by God, but you get to partake. You don't take over, you're a partaker. Big difference. Kingdom now theology, replacement theology, they have taken over the promises that have been given to the Jews. That's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. It's such bad Bible. And yet when you walk through God's word and the covenants of God's word, it makes it very, very clear. No, we're there just to partake. We partake spiritually, but what's still coming to them is the physical blessing of that land. No question the spiritual blessings are there too when they receive their Messiah, but also know that that physical blessing of the land is still there. We're just partakers of the spiritual things. It has been open to us. It was hidden for ages, Paul says, but God revealed it. The Gentiles, us, get to enter the kingdom of God. How awesome is that? This new covenant that God gives us here. I want us to go to uh, Hebrews. Go like you're going to Revelation. If you've gotten to Revelation, gone too far, back it up a little bit. You'll find Hebrews. And understand that this book is a Hebrew writing to Hebrews. Okay? So this is from a Jewish perspective, trying to minister to other Jews. This isn't a Gentile that wrote Hebrews. This is a fellow Hebrew that is trying to minister to the Hebrews, trying to point them to the person of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to start here, actually, in chapter 7, starting in verse 18. It says, For on the one hand there's an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness, its unprofitableness. What is being spoken of here? For the law made nothing perfect. There, right there, it tells us what we're speaking of. The law, the Mosaic Covenant. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Okay, what is that hope? Inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, speaking of Jesus, and they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent, you are priests forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That's Psalm 110. By so much more, Jesus has become the surety of a better covenant. That puts everything in its context, right? Who are we speaking about? Jesus. We were just told that the other covenant is unprofitable, the law. And there's a better covenant here. Who? Jesus. So much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Okay? Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, Jesus because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through who? Him. Since he always lives, lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy. That's what the high priest used to do. Make intercession for us. We used to go through the high priest in order for him to make the, the sacrifice. Now we go through him, Jesus because he already made the sacrifice. And look what it says. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifices. Understand the high priest, in order to be 
clean before the Lord how to offer up his own sacrifices on a daily basis before the Lord. This one does not. That's Jesus. Okay? It says, who does not need daily, as those high priests did, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins, then for the people. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. That's Jesus. For the law points as high priest men who have weaknesses, but the word of oath which came after the law appoints the Son who's been perfected forever. Now look what it says in verse 1 here of chapter 8. Now this is the main point of the things. He's, he's summing everything up at this point. Okay, This is what we're saying. Okay, We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. That's where Jesus is right now. He's our high priest a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, and not for man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that the one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are, there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy of the shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he went about to make the tabernacle, for he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mountains. But now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Where was that? Jeremiah. And so he quotes Jeremiah here, 31 through 34. And then he attaches it here to verse 13. In this, he says, a new covenant. He has made the first one obsolete. Now, what has become obsolete is growing old, is ready to vanish away. And so he brings this and says, Here's that new covenant that we're talking about. Everything that was mentioned before, it speaks of the person of Jesus Christ. And so this Hebrew author of the book of Hebrews is saying that there in Jeremiah that spoke to Judah and Israel, that is the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul explains the reason why you don't know that it's also offered to the Gentiles is because God hid that part. But for you to know is that Your new covenant is also in the person of Jesus Christ. And everything that the um, uh, Mosaic law was doing and the tabernacle and all the feasts and festivals and and all the uh, killing of bulls and goats, that all pointed to this new covenant where Jesus was going to offer himself up to show and be that sinless sacrifice. Amen? That's the new covenant that we're under today, that God wants to show his people, Israel and Judah. Same covenant, but can you see how they're a little confused? When we're talking about this special covenant that we have with the Lord, it's the new covenant, and that we claim that it's the new covenant, and we can do that, and it is. But they're going, wait a second here. The new covenant is for Israel and Judah. How is it that you've hijacked it? We haven't hijacked it, but it is to provoke you to jealousy. And we're just partakers. We, we have just been grafted in. Okay, we're not, we're not here to take over. Okay, those promises that were given to you are still there, but it's through the person of Jesus Christ. Never can the bowels of darkness Neither death nor even life 
That's all we have time for today on this Monday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Listen in tomorrow as we continue our study in the book of 2 Samuel. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit with us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings. On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our young adults ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Castle Rock. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. 